Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist, and this is PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. Today, we're talking about the reality of hell and the seven plagues prophecy. The reality of hell and the seven plagues prophecy. Let's do a countdown, counting backwards from the new earth to the great tribulation. So we're going to fast forward in time so we can rewind to the present. In the future, after the end of the world, according to... The New Earth Prophecy in Revelation chapters 21 and verses 1 to 5 of 22, all members of the royal race, that is those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, will live on a new earth with Jesus Christ and with God the Father who will serve as the light of the world and the reality of the temple beyond a physical structure, which is simply a place marker, a reminder of what's to come. Let's hear that. Let's hear that. So in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5, we hear Revelation chapter 22 It says in verse 3, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. So this is talking about the reality that in the future there won't be a curse on anything right now, There's a curse on the earth. You might say, well, how do you know that? Because there are earthquakes. There's a curse in nature. How do we know that? Because beautiful trees die. Because your wonderful cat or dog will not live forever and ever in the current physical body that your animal has been given. That's not God's best. It's not God's best for anything to die. The curse entered the world due to sin. But after the end of the world, after the end of time, when we're in eternity future, it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, 
in the New Earth Prophecy, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. And it says in Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, John the Revelator says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. So the this present earth and the present heaven are one day going to disappear. Elsewhere in the Bible it says that the earth is going to wear out like an old cloak and that the earth is set to go through a holy fire, a cleansing fire. Okay, so what happened before the new earth and the new heaven emerged? In the dead judged prophecy, that's the documentary shown to John the Revelator before he was shown the New Earth documentary. He saw where all who are team Satan, all the children of Satan, every human being who rejected the opportunity to be restored to sonship or daughtership with God the Father and instead stayed under the curse, stayed with the sin, stayed uh, with the default registration, if you will. These individuals are children of Satan and in the Dead Judge documentary, John the Revelator saw all of the children of Satan having their cases heard, each one, one at a time, stands before God the Father and is judged. And when their cases are heard, all of their sin debts are listed. They're recorded in a book in heaven, a book that has, all of the aims, purposes, deeds of every person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, all their sins are there uh, because their sin debt hasn't been paid for. Here's the take-home point. John the Revelator saw in a documentary that an angel of the Lord showed him that all of the children of Satan had their cases heard. Each one was found guilty and was then thrown into Gehenna, the lake of fire. So before the new earth emerges and the new heaven and those who are children of Jesus transition to the new earth, all the children of Satan transition to Gehenna, the lake of fire. Let's hear that. Revelation chapter 20. In the Dead Judged Prophecy, which is Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, John the Revelator says in verse 15, And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, who were these anyone's? And it says in verse 12, 
I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So you might say, well, I appreciate that on the new earth, none of the children of Satan are there, but what does that have to do with the curse? The curse is also removed because we hear in verse 14, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Here are the five enemies of God that all go into the lake of fire. We're talking about the reality of hell. The five enemies of God that go into the lake of fire last is death itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says, And the last enemy he destroys will be death. How does he destroy it? Death is thrown into the lake of fire. We just heard it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Before that, all the children of Satan, when they're found guilty at this great white throne judgment, what does it mean to be guilty? Their sin debt was not paid for by the blood of Jesus. They failed to go to mediation. They failed to allow Jesus to substitute his death, which was undeserved, for the death that they experienced, which was deserved. So that means that they continue on the trajectory of death, and instead of participating in resurrection to eternal life, they participate in resurrection to eternal damnation. So they never, ever transition to an immortal body, an incorruptible body, a peak performance body with no DNA errors because they remained in sin. Now, in the millennial reign prophecy, Revelation chapters 20, verses 1 to 10, in that documentary, John the Revelator was shown Satan being thrown in the lake of fire. Here it is, verse 10 of chapter 20. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this is the reality of hell. The reality of hell, lots uh, lots of things are going into hell. The last thing is death is going into hell. So there's no more death on the new earth because death is destroyed because it's placed into the lake of fire. The grave is placed into the lake of fire. All of those people who have a soul and a, a spirit, their, their spirit has not been uh, made perfect. They're still in sin. They're thrown into the lake of fire. Now we hear Satan uh, was thrown into the lake of fire. And in Revelation chapter 19, the first two enemies of God are thrown into the lake of fire. Let's hear that. Revelation chapter 19, verse 20 says, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. And then it says later in this verse, Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Friend and truth seeker, Hell is not a fantasy. Hell is not 
uh, a figment designed to manipulate you into behaving in compliance with God's will. Hell is a reality that reflects the punishment of those who refuse to cooperate with God. Hell reflects a reality, the soon-coming reality for all who refuse to cooperate with God. So you're cooperating with someone. Either you're cooperating with God or you're cooperating with Satan. Either you're cooperating with God or you're cooperating with Satan. Now, Super Bowl is coming up. If a player is playing in the Super Bowl, he's either on Team A or Team B. He's not on both teams. None of those players are on both teams. He's either on Team A or Team B. When we get to the end of the world, either you are transitioning, and I am transitioning to eternal life on the new earth or eternal damnation in the lake of fire. We have to understand that hell is not a figment. It's not a figment designed to elicit my compliance or your compliance with social norms or uh, with what leaders want or parents want. Hell is a reality that reflects the final destination for every human being and every fallen angel, as well as death in the grave, everything that is evil or everything that has yielded itself to evil and therefore become evil, all of those entities and individuals will spend eternity future in the lake of fire. It is an eternal punishment and an eternal destination in the same way that the new earth is an eternal reward and an eternal destination the meek shall inherit the earth will you humble yourself before the lord have you humbled yourself before the lord have you admitted that there are sins that you must repent for. And maybe you've done all this already. You might say, research scientists, I'm way beyond this. Or perhaps you say, you know, I, I never thought about my life that way, that uh, to admit that I have sins is to humble myself. Absolutely. When we admit that we're sinners, that we haven't gotten everything right, that we've done things that are wrong, that uh, defy the will, the purpose, and plans of God, When we admit that we've done that and we repent of our sins, in other words, we say, I hate that I did that. I never, ever want to do that again. Lord Jesus, be uh, be the leader of my life. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. And we choose to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We join him in in death therefore he's able to swap he's able to put over into our eternal account payment for our sin debt 
and therefore it's not old anymore. So we participate in the resurrection that will happen at his second coming instead of another resurrection that happens after Satan's thrown into the lake of fire. Now, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and 5, it refers to another resurrection. Now, you might say, listen, I don't want to... I don't want to think on all of this. I don't believe anything happens after I die. Let me tell you, the Bible reveals something is going to happen after you die. Something is going to happen after every individual experiences the first death. Revelation 20, verse 4 says, And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, this is talking about one of the groups of individuals who participates in the first resurrection. But we're talking about the second or another resurrection. Then verse 5 says, this is the first resurrection, talking about the resurrection for those who uh, are in Christ, And then it says in verse 5, the rest of the dead, wait, wait, did you hear that? The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. What does this mean? It means that there's a group of people who will experience the first death. Some of them have already experienced it. Some of of them will, will die today, some tomorrow, some next year. All who die and who failed to die in Christ, those individuals await coming back to life again. Now, when when do they come back to life again? It says the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. What's this thousand years? It's the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ after he fights and wins the battle of Armageddon. So what am I saying? I'm saying if you die, if I die, if any human being dies and the individual is not in Christ, that individual goes directly to a prison of darkness underneath the earth. It's called Hades. And in that prison of darkness, the individual awaits another resurrection. This is the resurrection that happens right before the great white throne judgment. When 100% of the individuals are liberated from Hades, they're liberated from Hades, but they go to court. They stand before God. And they participate in what's called the great white throne judgment. And all those individuals are guilty, but God is a just God. They get to have their cases heard, but they're all found guilty. Their sin debt's not paid for. So what I'm talking about is the reality of hell. Hell doesn't happen before the great white throne judgment. It happens after. It happens after. It's kind of like someone's been accused of a crime. They 
go to a holding cell because they're awaiting trial. So Hades is a holding cell in the same way that the present heaven is a holding cell. Those who are in Hades eventually, they go through the whole process, they're resurrected, they participate in the great white throne judgment, which is a court proceeding, it's a trial, they're found guilty, and then they're relocated to their final destination, which is the lake of fire. Those who are in present heaven is also a holding cell, but praise God, it's a wonderful one, it's a better one, but it's also a holding cell. And after after the great tribulation, those individuals return with Jesus Christ to this present earth. They're relocated to this present earth. They transition to their incorruptible body, so they're restored in a wonderful way. But ultimately, they transition along with the other believers to the new earth, their final destination. So, Hell is a reality and a final destination. The new earth is a reality and a final destination. There's a bifurcation there. There's a bifurcation there. In other words, there's a fork in the road. And at the end of the world, all who are team Jesus, they go to the new earth, and all who are team Satan they go to the lake of fire. Let's say that another way. At the end of the world, all who are children of God transition and are relocated to the new earth. And at the end of the world, all who are children of Satan transition and are relocated to Gehenna, the lake of fire. Now we began with saying we were going to do a countdown. What happened before Satan and uh, was thrown into the lake of fire? We learned that the Antichrist and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire uh, a thousand years before Satan. Uh, so what happened before the Antichrist and his false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire? The Battle of Armageddon happened before that. The Battle of Armageddon happened before that. It's described in Revelation chapter 19 in the marriage supper prophecy. So at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, there's carnage for 180 miles. The blood is as high as a horse's bridle, and it flows for 180 miles, and it's filled with what? What is it filled with? Let's hear that. Revelation 19, verse 18 reveals that there are 180 miles, and what's it filled with? We learn what it's filled with in verse 18. The flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Now, where did they come from? It came from this, Revelation Revelation chapter 14. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him, talking about Jesus Christ on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword. And then in verse 17 it says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals and strong warriors, 
of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. God has a cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon, and it's comprised of vultures. And what are they going to eat at the great banquet God has prepared? They're going to eat the flesh of God's enemies, all who participated in the armies led by the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, immediately preceding the Battle of Armageddon is the destruction of the headquarters of the Harlot Church. That's revealed in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, Revelation chapter 17, chapter 18, and verses 1 to 5 of 19. Let's go to some key scripture there. So what happened right before the Battle of Armageddon? We're doing a countdown. Right before the Battle of Armageddon, the headquarters for the Harlot Church, it's a city. That city is Rome. It will be destroyed. Let's hear that. Let us hear that. Revelation 18 Verse 10 says, they will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came upon you. In a single moment. And then in verse 14 it says, no, let's go to verse 16. How terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens. These are the colors worn by uh, the bishops and cardinals of uh, a certain religion that uh, has its headquarters in Rome. And in verse 17 it says, in a single moment all the wealth of the city is gone. And it also says in verse 18, they will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend and they they will say, where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. Grief, And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. And it says at the end of verse 19, in a single moment, it is all gone. And in verse 21 of chapter 18, it says, then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, just like this, the great city city Babylon, talking about Rome, will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. And in verse 23, it says, the light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And in verse 24, it says, in your streets flow the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. The headquarters for the Harlot Church is where the false prophet will work in tandem with the Antichrist to take out Christians during the Great Tribulation. So it will be destroyed, and that happens right before the Battle of Armageddon. Now, what happens before Rome is destroyed, the headquarters for the Harlot Church? The destruction of Rome is the pinnacle of God's wrath prior to the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon is the pinnacle. 
the Battle of Armageddon is the pinnacle. But right before the Battle of Armageddon, there are seven final plagues. We finally made it to the point in the countdown where we're going to talk about the seven plagues prophecy. So before the headquarters of the one world religion, the harlot church is destroyed, we have six final plagues. And part of the seventh final plague being released is the destruction of Babylon, which is Rome. Let's hear the seven final plagues. So in Revelation chapters 15 and 16, we have the seven plagues prophecy. Let's go to Revelation chapter 16. We're talking about the seven plagues prophecy. It says, Revelation 16, verse 2, So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So a cancerous sore, by order of the Lord, is released to every person who has the mark of the beast. Second plague, verse 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Verse 4 says, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And Revelation 16, verse 8 says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God. Now, I'm... I'm I'm going to say, maybe you guessed it by now, but the first resurrection, that's what we're going to talk about next. The first resurrection happens before the seven final plagues. We know that a couple of ways. Uh, One of the ways is by this verse we just heard, Revelation 16, verse 8. It says, everyone was burned by this blast of heat. Everyone means everyone. And talking about Everyone, it says, they did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Well, all believers, step one of uh, being born again is repenting of our sins. So it's no way possible that any believer was burned by the blast of heat because no believer refuses to repent of his or her sins. Okay. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and the kingdom was plunged into darkness. And... Revelation verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And Revelation 16, chapter 16, verse 17 says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections, talking about, again, Rome, the headquarters for the one world religion that will dominate religious affairs during the Great Tribulation. The one world religion will accompany the new world order. Uh, It will be a part of the new world order and will accompany the uh, one world government. Okay, so what have we learned? 
immediately prior to the Battle of Armageddon, we have the destruction of the headquarters of the Harlot Church, that city referred to as Babylon, which is Rome. And right before the destruction of Rome, the Euphrates River is dried up supernaturally. And before the Euphrates River is dried up supernaturally, there's a blackout at the headquarters of the Antichrist. And before that, all the people with the mark of the beast, they're scorched by the heat of the sun. It burns them. And then right before that, all of the rivers and springs become like blood. And before that, uh, all of the seas become like blood. And before that, all of the people with the mark of the beast have a cancerous sore on one or more parts of their body. So lots of destruction in a very short amount of time. Now, what happened before the wrath of God was released? What's the wrath of God? These seven final plagues which uh, lead up to the Battle of Armageddon. In Habakkuk chapter 3, let me go there uh, to share that with you. In Habakkuk chapter 3, we have confirmation of what we see in the book of Revelation, verse 5, talking about Jesus Christ. It says, pestilence marches before him, plagues follow close, plague follows close behind. So these seven final plagues, what does it mean when it says plague follows close behind? So the first plague is the cancer that comes on all of these people who are team Satan. Well, when Jesus returns, as revealed in chapter 14, we're going to look, in that, look at that in a second, when Jesus returns, all of us believers who are here on the earth, we rise up to meet him in the clouds. And he comes back with the believers who are in heaven. We then go with Jesus Christ and the believers uh, who have returned from heaven, we all get our new earth suit. We all transition from mortality to immortality. And then we go with Jesus Christ to heaven. That's described in Revelation chapter 15 at the beginning. We, there's a song that those of us who are here, we hear about the song that those of us who are here and who make it through the great tribulation, we get to learn a special song and we stand before God. He gives us a harp and we're singing that song to him. But all believers, after we meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, what actually happens? We go with Jesus to heaven for some period of time while we are in heaven. That's when the wrath of God is released on the earth. That's when the seven final plagues happen and the headquarters for the harlot church is destroyed. And then we return with Jesus Christ who will fight and win the battle of Armageddon. He returns with all his holy ones, including the armies of heaven and all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now let's go there uh, to Revelation chapter 15. We're counting, we're counting down to the present from the new earth. Uh, so we just heard about the seven final plagues. Let's go to Revelation 15. This is after the first resurrection, what does it say in Revelation 15, verse, verses 1 and 2? John the Revelator says, Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. 
Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. What did we just hear there? John the Revelator is standing in heaven. He, he's not, he's, I don't mean to say he's standing in heaven. He's seeing a documentary, and he's being shown heaven, and in heaven he sees seven angels holding the seven last plagues, and he sees believers, he sees the believers, who were here on the earth during the Great Tribulation. Now, some believers are already in heaven. They did not participate in the Great Tribulation. But they're still going to participate in the first resurrection. One of the things that you'll notice in the book of Revelation is that God often zooms in to share, to communicate, to report what happens specifically to individuals who are here during the Great Tribulation. So this doesn't mean that we're the only individuals who participate in the first resurrection, but he's zooming in to specifically focus on this group of believers. And he's in heaven, and he sees the believers who were here for the Great Tribulation, all of them, us, it says, before him on what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire. And we're standing because we have been victorious over the beast and his statue representing his name. It says they were all holding harps that God had given them, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And then they give us the song lyrics. So so before the seven plagues are released, All of the believers, all believers, uh, I believe, are in heaven. Specifically, we're we're told about what those of us who are here during the Great Tribulation, what we are doing in heaven uh, right before the seven plagues are released. Now, what happened before we go to heaven? Revelation chapter 14, the first resurrection, this is when... Those of us who are here during the Great Tribulation, we're going to transition from mortality to immortality. Let's hear about it. Revelation chapter 14, the earth reaped prophecy. Revelation chapter 14, verse 15 says, um, let's, let's go to verses 14 and 15 and 16. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. So how many of us know this is telling us about Jesus Christ? Okay, let's keep going. Then another angel from the temple, then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud, this is talking about Jesus Christ, Swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Now, what does that mean? This goes back to what was described in Matthew, the harvest of the wheat and the tares. So the whole purpose of this experiment that we can call time or life, 
the whole purpose of it is to yield fruit. God is growing his forever family. His forever family are all believers who will spend eternity with him on the new earth. So he's trying to grow his family as large as he can, as fast as he can. And the last part of the harvest are those of us who are here during the Great Tribulation, and we transition from mortality to immortality. Now, that's only a percentage of the harvest, right? Because every believer who died in Christ is in heaven. They're also a part of the harvest as described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But again, in the book of Revelation, there's a zoom in, there's a focus in many sections on what happens to those in Christ who are here during the Great Tribulation. Don't be offended by that. You know, it's kind of like if you're reading something and it's talking about the experiences of men, if you're a woman, don't be offended because there's discussion about the experiences of men. Similarly, if there's a discussion about the experiences of women and you're a man, don't be offended by that. This does not mean that God is disinterested in believers who are not here during the Great Tribulation. It simply means that he is communicating at this point in the book of Revelation about this specific group of believers. Okay. So, The first resurrection happens. That's described in Revelation chapter 14 in the Earth Reaped Prophecy, the Earth Reaped Documentary. The experience of uh, believers who were here during the Great Tribulation but who participate in the first resurrection, our experience and activity in heaven is described in Revelation 15. The reality of God pouring out his wrath on the present earth while we are in heaven is described in the seven plagues prophecy. Then Jesus Christ returns. Habakkuk says, now, now the first resurrection happens. After the first resurrection happens and we join Jesus in the, crowd, in the clouds, then We continue with Jesus to heaven, and that's why in Habakkuk it says, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 5, pestilence marches before him, plague follows behind. What plague follows behind Jesus Christ? The plague that comes after the first resurrection, the seven final plagues. The first one is when a malignant sore breaks out on everyone who has the mark of the beast. That's the first plague. And we heard the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh plague. So that's what it's talking about, I believe, in Habakkuk chapter three, verse five, when it says, Pestilence marches before him, plague follows close behind. Now what's the pestilence? Well, some people have said it's COVID. It's uh H H one N one, it's SARS, it's uh the bird flu, all these other things. Okay, so we see the pestilence already. After Jesus Christ returns, um, we will not be here to see the plagues, but those who are not in Christ will certainly see and experience the seven final plagues. Now, I shared at the beginning we were going to work our way from 
the future and the reality of the new earth all the way to the present. Now, what happens before the first resurrection described in Revelation chapter 14? That's the great tribulation. That's 42 months of the Antichrist who was identified. Uh, the Antichrist was identified on September in September of 2022. September of 2022, Prophet Randy Chandler identified the Antichrist. Now, before the first resurrection, the Antichrist will rule and reign he will lead a ten nation alliance that will give him uh authority let's go to revelation chapter 13 and in the 666 antichrist prophecy that's revelation chapter 13 we hear about these 42 months so in revelation chapter 13 verse 5 it says then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. This is talking about the Antichrist. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. That's talking about Christians. That's talking about Christians and believers. Uh, but here's an interesting thing. Revelation in the same chapter, 13, verses 9 and 10, it says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, that's you. I believe you have ears to hear and that you will listen and understand. Here it is. God unle unlocked this secret. Uh, I had interpreted this verse many ways, and then God, one day, he just unlocked the secret for me. Praise God. And now uh, he did that so I could share it with you, a truth seeker and believer. Verse 10 says, anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. You know what God is saying right here? This is what he wants us to understand. It says in verse 10, anyone who is destined for prison, what prison is he talking about? Hades. Hades is comprised of, it is a prison of darkness. There are uh, cells for each person who experiences the first death. So their body wears out due to old age and the curse, or they were in an accident, or they had some kind of illness, or they were assassinated. In any case, the mortal body gives out. The mortal body uh, gives out or is worn out, taken out. When individuals die and they're not in Christ, they go to prison. What prison? A prison of darkness in Hades. Where's Hades? It's a physical location underneath the earth. So it says, listen, anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Then it says, anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. Whose sword? Jesus is talking about his sword. In Revelation 19, he uses his two-edged sword to murder, not to murder, to assassinate, to, to take out, to kill all of the armies led, all the individuals who are Team Satan, who have the mark of the beast and who are there, 
in Jerusalem to take out the people of God at the Battle of Armageddon. So why is this here? So this is in the chapter on the 42 months. It's saying, Christians, you're going to have to endure persecution patiently and remain, fe- and remain faithful, but make no mistake, all of your enemies who are Team Satan, they're going to Hades for the prison of darkness. And all the ones who don't die before I come to fight the Battle of Armageddon, they are going to die by my sword, these folks who are led by the Antichrist and who participate in their armies. So God is saying, listen, you're going to have to endure persecution patiently. You, I'm tasking you to remain faithful. This is only 42 months. And he is promising, he is declaring, he is decreeing anyone destined for prison. Now, who's destined for prison? All who are Team Satan. So those who are Team Satan right now and those who are Team Satan during the Great Tribulation, when they die, they're not going to be relocated to heaven. They are going to go as disembodied spirits to a prison of darkness. They're destined for prison because they're team Satan. And it says anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. So some of them are going to die due to natural causes. They're going to die due to old age. But some of them are going to die by the sword. They're going to die by the sword. Whose sword? The sword of Jesus Christ. So before the first resurrection, there will be 42 months of the wrath of Satan, it's a time of great distress for who? Those who are team Jesus. The seven final plagues, that's the wrath of God. It's a time of great distress for those who are team Satan. But the great tribulation is a time of great distress for those who are team Jesus. And as revealed in Revelation chapter 12, it's also a time of great distress for those who are worshiping our one God in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and who are of uh, Jewish heritage. Now, the Great Tribulation begins as a war against Jews in Israel, but it's expanded to include Christians. How do we know that? Revelation chapter 12, verse 15 says, Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water talking about uh, talking about Israel, the physical location. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. So Satan is going to try to use water, a gigantic flood, to actually destroy Israel as a physical location. Some nations are destroyed due to natural disasters satan's going to try to create a natural disaster to destroy israel using water it's not going to work and he's going to react uh with anger due to him feeling humiliated verse 17 says and the dragon was angry at the woman why is he angry because he keeps trying to take out israel and he keeps failing so in his humiliation what happens what does he do it says, and the dragon was angry at the woman. So he's angry because Israel's still there after the flood. It's not destroyed. 
And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Who are the rest of the children of Israel? It tells us right here, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Those of us who are Christians, we are children of Israel. We're grafted in. We're group. Uh, we're part B of one group. There's part A and part B. So the war begins, the Great Tribulation, initially as a war on Israel. And immediately when you see, when you see the newscasters uh, reporting, that this is, oh, my gosh, there's been a great flood in Israel. We don't know if Israel's going to make it. People need to get out. People need, they're going to be saying Israel's going to be destroyed. It's going to be a, so much water like uh, no one has ever seen. It's going to look like Israel is going to uh, be destroyed, but it's not going to be destroyed because the earth's going to actually open up to receive all that water. That's when you know, immediately when you see that, that's when you know that the Great Tribulation is about to be expanded to include Christians. So if you're in China, if you're in the United States, if you're, uh, if you're in Botswana, if you're in Bolivia, wherever you are in the world, if you are a Christian, when Israel fails, when it survives, I should say, when it survives the natural disaster that looks like it's going to take it, take it out, a flood, you know that the Great Tribulation has been expanded to include Christians. Okay, let's learn more about how this Great Tribulation starts. Revelation chapter 12 the 1,260-day prophecy, earlier it says, talking about Israel, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. That's talking about Jesus. So taking us back thousands of years. Then it says, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. So Jesus grew up to be a man. He engaged in all the activities that he needed to do to uh, carry out the plans and purposes of God the Father. Jesus Christ is God the Father manifest in the flesh. And he died on the cross. He rose from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven where he is today. And that's why it says, was caught up to God and to his throne. So Jesus was caught up. What's that? When you rise up, uh, when you ascend to heaven. So he was caught up to God and to his throne. That's where he, that's where he is today. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father um, in heaven. And it says, now it fast forwards in time in the book of Revelation. The very next verse, verse 6 of chapter 12 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. So the wilderness is the wrath of Satan. It's a time of extraordinary distress for Israel. Every Jewish person who is in Israel during the Great Tribulation is going to be a target of the Antichrist and the one world government and the false prophet. 100% of these individuals. Now, let us talk about how do we know when we are approaching 
the timing of the Great Tribulation. We will know that when we see the third temple being rebuilt. When the third temple, we haven't seen, uh, the Jewish people have not had a temple on the Temple Mount in Israel since 70 A.D. Now, if you can trace your lineage back to your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, you know, let's say something in the 1800s or 1700s or even 1600s, that's amazing. But we're talking about not 1800, 1700, 1600. Let's go back the year 1000. Wait, wait, let's go back farther, the year 800. Let's go back farther, the year 500. No, let's go back to the year 70, 70 AD. It's been almost 2,000 years since the Jews have had a temple in Jerusalem that where they can worship our one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Now the Bible tells us that a third temple will be rebuilt. And there's reference to this temple and its existence and connection to the Great Tribulation. So we see that in uh, the book of Daniel. And in the book of Revelation, let's talk about the temple. Revelation chapter 11, we're in the seven trumpets prophecy. It says, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, Then I was given a measuring stick and I was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. Now, John can't measure the temple if it doesn't exist. Then it says, but do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. So when the third temple is rebuilt, only the Jews will be allowed to enter it because they will be worshiping their one God. They will have their priests using the ashes of the red heifer in ceremonies. They'll be doing all the things that they did to worship God in the second temple according to the instructions that they received uh, in the Torah. They'll be, they'll be doing that because they don't yet know that the old covenant is outdated and we have a new covenant. They don't know that information presented in Romans. But here we're told not only is there going to be a third temple, but it says it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. The temple will be there for the duration of the 42 months. It says they will trample the holy city for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those 1,260 days. What are the 1,260 days? That's the 42 months of the Great Tribulation. So, you know, if you want to figure out how much you weigh, you can weigh yourself in pounds um, or you can weigh yourself in kilos. Years ago when I was in high school, one of my good friends, she had grown up in the Ivory Coast, so she was always talking about how many kilos she weighed or had lost or gained. Me, being born in Washington, D.C., I was talking about how many pounds I weighed. Listen, it doesn't matter if you want to talk about the Great Tribulation in terms of months 
or days or years. So we see these measures in terms of units of time to describe the Great Tribulation in the book of Revelation. We see both 42 months and 1,260 days. Elsewhere we see uh, a time, times, and half a time that refers to one year, that's a time, times is two years, and half a time is half a year. Of course, one plus two plus one half is three and a half. Three and a half what? Three and a half years. Okay, so you can talk about three and a half years, 42 months, or 1,260 days. In all instances, we're talking about the same period of time, and that's the exact length of time of the wrath of Satan, which is the Great Tribulation. So I said we were going to count down to the present. Now, the present is the moments, the weeks or or months, maybe years. I don't know if it's years. If it's years, I think there are very few as we await the rebuilding of the third temple. Now, as you know, the red heifer is here. The tenth red heifer is here, and it's in Israel. So what is the next event in God's prophetic timeline outlined in the book of Revelation that I am looking for as uh, the book of Revelation research scientist? I am looking for Israel to get the green light to rebuild its third temple. It's been nearly 2,000 years. And this third temple is referred to in Revelation chapter 11 in the seven trumpets prophecy. When the third temple is here, you know that we are very close. We are very close to the beginning of the great tribulation. The Great Tribulation cannot begin until the Third Temple is rebuilt. The Third Temple cannot be rebuilt until uh, Israel gets the green light. When does Israel get the green light? According to Daniel, it's the confirmation of the covenant. The kings of the world, the powers that be, will get together, and they they won't be able to solve all the problems between Israel the Jews and the Palestinians, but they will get them to agree to an arrangement that covers a seven-year span. Now, obviously, when we think about life, life we imagine more than seven years. But they're not going to get—they're not going to make an agreement that goes for a hundred years or fifty. They're going to say, "Okay, let's talk about." They're going to get consensus about what should happen for the next seven years. Now. Things are going to pop off before we get to the end of that seven years because the Antichrist is not going to keep his word. So the agreement is going to be that Jews are allowed to worship in the way that they want to in their rebuilt temple and that those who are Gentiles will not be allowed to defile it. Muslims will be allowed to continue to worship in their mosque, also on the Temple Mount. And Jews, this part's new, will be allowed to worship in their rebuilt temple. 
that's that's part of this agreement that's supposed to last for seven years, according to Daniel. But the Antichrist is a liar, and it doesn't. It it, it hardly is is surprising because Satan is the father of all lies, and his two flunkies are the Antichrist and the false prophet. So the Antichrist is going to say, yes, this is uh, what it is. He's not the only person who will uh, participate in the confirmation of the covenant. He's more only one. Uh, but according to the book of Daniel, before the seven-year period has elapsed, the Antichrist, as he grows in power and dominion, he will enter and defile the temple, and he will stand in it, and he will declare that he is God. And he will stop the animal sacrifices. And ultimately, a very short time later, he will declare war on all Jews. Yes, friend, the Antichrist will go from being a hero to Jews to being another Hitler. He's going to call for another Holocaust. Now, the Battle of Armageddon is the war to end all wars. The Great Tribulation is the time of great distress, but it's also a time for great ministry. It says those who uh, know the Lord will provide instruction to many. So I hope that uh, you have found our discussion and analysis of the seven plagues prophecy and our discussion and analysis of the reality of hell useful. If you were going to be watching the Super Bowl today, not the Super Bowl, but the uh, the games leading up to the Super Bowl, I hope your team will uh, triumph. But, you know, there's something more important coming up than the Super Bowl. That's the first resurrection have you have you been recruited to the winning team the winning team is team jesus if you're not on team jesus i have to tell you the bible reports that you are on the losing team satan team satan is the losing team the losing team all who are on the losing team are going to be relocated to Gehenna. That's the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. And in that lake of fire, people aren't having a rock concert. They're not dancing. They're not partying. Uh, they're not having uh, physical pleasures. They're being tormented, the Bible says, forever and ever. They're being tormented, according to Revelation chapter 20, Satan's in there being tormented forever and ever. And Revelation chapter 14 also reports the torment of uh, Gehenna. So I hope that you will make sure, you will make sure that you are recruited to the winning team. That's Team Jesus. You might say, I'm agnostic. There's no team agnostic. There are only two teams, Team Jesus and Team Satan. If you're not on Team Jesus, that means you're on Team Satan. All the other teams 
They just have uh, code words that they're using, but they all report to Satan. They're all children of Satan. It's kind of like, you know, if you live in Washington, D.C., you might say, oh, well, I'm, I'm northwest, or no, no, I'm southeast, or I'm northeast. Listen, all those folks live in Washington, D.C. They're all Washington, D.C. folks. So you might say, oh, I'm this religion, oh, I'm that religion, or I'm agnostic, or I'm atheist. Listen, all of these groups are Team Satan. So you want to make a thoughtful decision, an informed decision about what team you want to be on. Do you want to be on Team Jesus or do you want to be on Team Satan? Certainly it's uh, your privilege and it's your responsibility to decide that. No one gets to decide that for you. You are the boss of it. Your your dad's not the boss of it. He might think he's the boss of it, but he's not. You are the boss of what team you're going to be on. Your mom's not the boss of it. Your wife's not the boss of it. You know, don't be mad at me when I say this, but your pastor, your rabbi, your imam, these individuals are not the boss of it either. Every human being who is of age is the boss of whether he or she is going to make Jesus Christ Lord of his life or her life. That's the truth. That's the truth. So I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to encourage you to take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I'm going to encourage you to make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Make sure you're on the list. What do I mean by that? You know, years ago, um, I would be so excited. I could go out dancing to these clubs and, you know, the very fancy clubs. Uh, you know, there was a club called Z Club where I where I lived in Washington, D.C., and there, you know, there was another club, Fifth Column. There were all these clubs, and sometimes they would have a list, and you couldn't get in on certain nights unless you were on the list. It was a big deal to be on the list. Um, you know, those lists didn't mean anything. I thought they meant something, but they didn't mean anything. The list that matters is the list of names in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're not talking about nights of fun. We're talking about an eternity of life, eternal life. We're not talking about one day or ten days or a month or a year or a decade. How about we try to wrap our brains around a million years? Do you want to live a million years? On the new earth where there's no more curse, no more death, no more uh, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more grief, no more mourning, no more tears, or do you want to live a million years in the lake of fire where there's torment forever and ever? You are the boss of it. You are the boss of it, certainly, certainly. I'm so happy that you have decided to give time to listening to the book of Revelation. I never take for granted your time. I value uh, very much your time. If you have questions or comments about the book of Revelation, I encourage you to call in during the live Internet broadcast on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time, at 7 p.m. Texas time, and on Sundays at 12 noon Texas time and 1 p.m. Eastern time. The, the phone number for this program, 
Secrets Revealed, understand the book of Revelation from start to finish is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. You can call in one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. When you call in, press one, and that'll let me know that um, you're not just listening, uh, which is fine, but that you want to communicate with me as your PGN host. Also, you can text twenty four seven. Our PGN text number is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. That's one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. We're going to be talking about. Beginning on Thursday, the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, the destruction of the headquarters of the Harlot Church, Babylon, Rome. We're going to be talking about that in the month of February. Every program is going to focus on the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. That's the Purple and Scarlet uh, documentary, documentary number eight in the book of Revelation. I hope you will be with me and with us. And uh, before we go, I want to... uh, encourage you with this. In Jeremiah 33, 3, God promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. So I encourage you, if you haven't done so already today, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend and truth seeker, God bless you. <laughs>